0: now the story of a wealthy family who lost everything, and the one son who had no choice but to keep them all together. It's Arrested Development. Young, welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake, in Arrested Development podcast. I am your host Darren. Today I am joined by uh, talking about Turtle podcast host... Uh, Andrew Schwartz returning guest hello Andrew
1: hey Darren
0: thanks for having me and today we're going to be talking about the final episode of uh, season three which was the final episode that was shown on Fox uh, which is called development arrested the final episode of the series just the title backwards it had it was it has a story by credit only the second time that they've split the the writing credits here. It has a story by credit with Richard Day and Mitch Hurwitz, and it has a teleplay cre- credit for Chuck Tatum and Jim Valelli. All four of those have written, obviously, a number of episodes before, and it was directed by John Fortenberry, who has directed a number of episodes. This episode lost the Emmy for Best Comedy Writing to the pilot of My Name is Earl. Which, it's, it's interesting because they... Arrested Development had won this particular category two years in a row. Um, and the show itself was nominated for Best uh, Comedy Series three years in a row, and it won in its its first year. Um, so they were double Emmy winners in their first year. But um, after that...
1: Passing the torch to the next comedy legend show. Um, <laughs> yeah. My name is Earl is still
0: in the minds <laughs> of us everywhere. I can't remember, what was the name of the guy who played Crabman. I'm sure he's out there doing a, a fine... Uh... A fine job i think he popped up somewhere recently but i don't remember <laughs> what he did and remember at this particular time as well the wire did not win any emmys for anything jesus Christ! and this is this is around the time that the wire was finishing so that's what was going on with the emmys my name is Earl. Was the best comedy just... and the wire wasn't nominated for anything
1: that's ridiculous that the wire didn't get nominated for a comedy rating
0: <laughs> yeah i know that was some funny funny um television um it was The last episode made me lose my shit. I was laughing so hard, <laughs> just cracking up.
1: When he cut to the alleyway and you see Dookie just hitting that shot of heroin, I'm just Cracking my shit up he's laughing not. He's hard. not in
0: the alleyway. He's in the, the A-Rabber's house, isn't he? The A-Rabber's yard. Oh, my mistake. <laughs> I was just laughing so hard I just couldn't pay attention. This episode was broadcast on the 10th of February 2006 with the other three episodes that were broadcast that night.
1: Sweep-sweep, that's what they call it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the summary is as follows. Michael confronts a new batch of familial dysfunction while preparing to take over as CEO of the company after all the charges are dropped. In the previous episode, they wrapped things up pretty quickly, by deciding that all of this investigation that had been going on for a number of years was just a misunderstanding and George Sr. was merely a patsy for um, an undercover operation and that's it. Everything's wrapped up neatly. It's really weird that they, they, almost in a kind of HBO penultimate episode way, they decided to wrap everything up in the penultimate episode so they could kind of have a a, kind of slow final episode. A nice little celebration. Yes. And it's funny because actually, uh, everything that isn't to do with um, you know the the main plot, the whole investigation thing, and George Senior being in prison, and all the rest of that, um, is is kind of wrapped up in this episode. They'd introduced the idea that there was a N Bluth uh, like three episodes before this, which is basically the same night, and then they wrap it up in the space (laughs) of three episodes. Um, and obviously we'd already had uh, the whole mock trial thing and um Jan Eagleman and this there was a whole it's it's really funny actually when you look at the kind of after after Rita leaves, there's like a whole ton of episodes where they just bring up a whole plot and wrap it up in the space of like 20 minutes so quickly.
1: It's like them just blowing through their show Bible
0: like, listen, we got all these plots. Let's get rid of them, baby. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do mention um, on the commentary, because this this final episode has a commentary on the commentary, um, David Cross asks Mitch Hurwitz, what did you have planned for season four? Bearing in mind, this commentary was recorded um, sometime in 2006 and Mitch Hurwitz just replies by going oh we had so many plots and <laughs> that's literally what he says about it he, uh, he kind of it, it seems obvious that David cross is kind of making it known that basically they burned through everything that they had and one of the, the notable things about this final episode uh, is that it mirrors the pilot in so many ways um, and we start with you know the, the exact same musical sting and the narrator saying <laughs> This is Michael Blue. Right now, he's being honored. The saddle up pardners banner is back up, which doesn't make any sense. Um, it, which is funny because I remember Mitch Hewitt in the pilot talking about how they wanted George Senior to have this whole like cowboy gimmick, obviously being a um, you know like a reference to uh, George W. Bush and all that kind of stuff. And they kind of dropped it after the pilot because they found it really tiresome to keep trying to insert it into the show and so like they did it in like the second or third episodes where they kept trying to bring it up but it, it, in the end they just like kind of dropped it at the end of the pilot you know michael says you probably want to drop the whole cowboy act and that's what they did so um it's funny that they bring that sign back right here in, in the final episode and you know they have the same style except of course for the pilot they didn't have an opening title sequence which is what we do get in this episode for like the first time in about five or six episodes we get like a full title sequence um to explain to the audience um you know about what what the plot of the program is you know as it's as it's going off the air (laughs) i like how the narrator says why is this man crying because now he'll have to stay with these people for a long long time (laughs) <laughs> and of course one of the other parallels we get here is we get George Michael and Michael in the same bed and the angles are kind of the same as when we were in the pilot and they were living in the the attic um and you know sleeping on sleeping on the beds next to each other and <laughs> i like how when michael asks are you scared of a monster the narrator says it is the monster called lust to which he'd recently succumbed. <laughs> and I guess it's funny cuz like the whole incest storyline was kind of toned down a little bit for season 2.
1: It's ramped up immediately for this.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. In this final in this final kind of few episodes, they've really gone back to, you know, the idea that, that maybe in George Michael uh, have feelings for each other. But the the funniest thing is of course is um um, it is is how we, we see that this was confirmed, which was kind of done in the previous episode where um, Tobias talks about maybe coming out of your mother's third base, which is like uh, and there's a couple of references to, how, you know, second base and, and you know, how uh, George Michael had gone in head first like Pete Rose. I, I'm guessing to international like uh, viewers would be completely puzzling because obviously uh, nobody watches baseball. Uh, probably not even most Americans these days. But Pete Rose obviously has a certain level of notoriety for not being allowed into the Hall of Fame.
1: Well, Pete Rose also has a great re- had a great restaurant where it was basically Chuck E. Cheese and he had video games that was wonderful. Gone now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so you have nostalgia for Pete Rose for completely different reasons. Yeah, I had no idea he was a baseball player. I could not care. All I know is he had some sweet <laughs> games. Uh, he also is in... Uh, he's not in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but he is in... The Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, that the WWE have because Pete Rose participated at three different WrestleManias where he was Tombstone Piledrived by Kane, brother of The Undertaker. (laughs) R.I.P. That's exactly what The Undertaker says, Andrew. (laughs) And so obviously we find out that maybe was because they teased it kind of a little bit in season two and earlier in season three that maybe might not be the child of, you know, uh, Tobias and Lindsay. And, uh, you know, and there have been little hints at it where Lucille had said that she spent her inheritance getting here. So, that, you know, there was there was always this kind of implication that somehow, um, you know, Tobias and, and, and Lindsay had had to use artificial methods to get Maybe. Uh, of course, later in this episode, we find out that indeed Maybe is not related to George Michael, but not because she wasn't, you know, uh, Tobias and, and Lindsay's child. Uh, but for completely different reasons torn from her womb untimely <laughs> yeah and and it's funny because um, you know we see a scene where um, you know after finding out about um, you know maybe's birth maybe kicks George Michael out of the room that they have been sharing um, but I just like the way that she, she delivers the line saying you're not sleeping in here now <laughs> which is like <laughs> Uh, One thing I like about maybe is, you know, over the course of the series, she very rarely bends to anyone else's will. And she's willing to tell people exactly what she thinks and kind of just do whatever she wants. Um, And so, you know, kind of bossing George Michael around kind of fits with that. (laughs) I, I like as well how... Uh, You know, maybe uh, on kicking George Michael out says, uh, you know, so we can make up every uh, make out every night. And of course, George Michael's like, does that not work for your schedule? (laughs) And I, (laughs) I just like I just like how he George Michael's not like the kind of most forceful of children. Obviously, he's meant to be the opposite of maybe. But I do like how he kind of tries it on there by, you know, making a joke about it.
1: Michael Sarah has Um, the most killer line deliveries in the show.
0: Of course, we should emphasize that at this particular point, George Michael and maybe are indeed uh, married under Californian law. And so they are actually husband and wife. Um, They at some point will still need to get a divorce. And we, you know, we find out here that, uh, you know, Michael brings the viewers up to speed, even though, of course, at this particular point, they would have been watching all night. And, um, you know, I like how when George Michael asks if Pop Pop is definitely innocent, uh, Michael goes, not by a long shot, but they've dropped all the charges. <laughs> um, you know, which in, its, in itself is kind of like a commentary on the American justice system where basically it's possible for rich people to not go to jail, but they, uh, that does not mean that they are innocent in any way. We, we, go to, we get to see that, uh, you know, on, uh, on Mad Money... Uh, Jim Kramer once again making a, uh, a cameo here. He has he has upped the. Uh, <laughs> they beat the treason charges. We had it as a don't buy. Let's bump it up to a risky. Risky. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course they were put up to don't buy in the premiere of season three, which I just love how like risky is seen as a good thing by everyone at the blues Company. Risky, um, risky. Risky, risky. <laughs> yeah, uh, people do love a chant at the Blues Company, and it's two, it million, two um,
1: million, two million, two <laughs> million.
0: And um, you know, I, I, I like, I like how um, Michael at this point is like, you know, we're finally doing it. You know, the company's making a recovery, uh, and he goes, "Are you happy?" And Michael Sarah of course, delivers the perfect line where he's like, "I'm really happy."
1: I wonder if we should move out of town. <laughs> what?
0: which you know that's been the goal of michael since the pilot has been to get away from his family and finally george michael is kind of george michael's always been the one who's you know given away the fact that we're going to arizona or has kind of wanted to you know has kind of pulled at the heartstrings and trying to keep them you know here in orange county um mostly because he was lusting after his cousin. But at this particular point, he's the one who wants to leave, and Michael is the one who, you know, wants to stay. This is where we get a call back to the, the pilot, which is probably one of my favourite exchanges where, you know, Michael says, what have I always said is the most important thing? And, of course, George Michael goes, family. And Michael goes, well, I was going to huh. say breakfast, but... Uh, uh you know in the pilot he got that the other way around where you know breakfast was the most important thing i like as well how when michael says later we can talk this out george michael's like well i've heard that a couple of times too which kind of alludes to the fact that at least three times in season three he has basically told michael that he he likes maybe but michael hasn't heard it at all and he's just kind of heard other things and they haven't really got a chance to kind of talk about it um and of course, once we arrive, the blue family are indeed chanting risky. Um, which of course Buster has a um he's got like a I don't know what it's called when you what is the thing you used uh, to cut up meat, the little A blade. Let's call it a blade. <laughs> well, he's he's kind of waving it around and he cuts the electric blade. Yeah, like a electric uh, I don't know, we're really struggling here with this. Um, and he, he he cuts the... As he's saying risky, he's holding this, this, this blade up and he cuts off his fingers. Look at that, Buster. You would have lost a hand anyway.
1: At first when I saw that, I thought, oh, he's using his... Uh... Uh, stump to use it like a like a evil dead 2 situation where he's using the razor in that hand
0: <laughs> yeah
1: that's why i thought at first when i was looking at it again but i'm like oh no way he's coming up his fake hand
0: i don't know i can't remember if that's the one that he i think that's the one he bought from jay walter weatherman isn't it i believe so who advised him not to take it out of the the wrapper and of course we find out i mean it's worth noting as well that the the mill that is being brought in is the skip scramble um which you know, uh, was the reason that Loretta apparently was suing <laughs> was because she
1: kept don't buy the skip scramble. Yeah, she
0: she like ate it like seven days a week or something, <laughs> which I find slightly unbelievable because it seems to be it was what was it everything on the menu all kind of like mushed up into one big pile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and so obviously you know that you know the, the whole um, <laughs> the, the whole family are going to tuck into that skip scramble. Uh, apart from Job, who is notably absent,
1: he's getting into his own skip scramble.
0: E- yes, uh, <laughs> the funny thing is uh, the scene here—you know, where they are chanting risky and everything. This was the final scene that they shot uh, for the show um, for for the family as a whole. Because there are a couple of scenes later on in this episode that are just Jason Bateman and a couple of people that were were actually the final scenes that they shot ever. Um, but I th- it's funny here, you know, like uh, Lucille has she kind of almost lampshades the fact that they're calling back to the pilot where she says she's rented the same boat uh, as they had in the pilot. Um, and of course, at this particular this particular point, Buster talks about how the ocean in it is his second biggest fear. Um, mm-hmm. I'm guessing after seals. I'm guessing seals are his biggest fear at this particular point. Seals are number one. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and of course, there's another bit of lampshade in here where, um, you know, they ask, where is Job? Um, and of course, um, you know, George Sr. actually says, who knows? I don't even know where he lives. Um, which is something <laughs> that I've asked a few times on this podcast, where exactly does Job live? Because he doesn't live at the model home and he certainly doesn't live, um, you know, in the apartment. Um, so he just it's at this particular point, we find out that he's been living on a, a new boat that he purchased some point in season two. Um,
1: the C word.
0: Yes um although I like how Tobias says I've always pictured him in a lighthouse um <laughs> which I don't know why he makes that joke but I don't know it just seems like a It does kind of fit
1: Job's character a little bit.
0: Uh, some bizarre location for him to be in a lighthouse I don't, I mean I don't know why but okay I mean I picture it <laughs> and of course we find out you know that that um, now that they are you know now the company is a success now the charges have been dropped um, that uh, that everyone's you know everyone's shares are unfrozen. They you know they finally have cash. You know the entire the entire company is basically solvent again. Uh, but of course, Michael then has to basically tell people not to sell their shares. Uh, which of course, the last time he did this, basically everybody, with the exception of Buster, sold their shares, and they ended up losing control of the business quite quickly. Um, and of course, you know Michael points out that Stan, St- Stan Sitwell has always had a uh, a wild hair to buy the business, um, uh, which of course you know Lucille says that's the only hair he's got. He's an alpaca, <laughs> which is such a, which is actually a setup for a joke later on in the episode. Uh, of course, Michael points out he actually has alopecia. Um, and then of course uh, we get the two million chant once again from everybody. Yeah. And I like I like how Michael points out that they've already spent twelve thousand dollars on eggs. And this is where Michael, of course, says the he says keep in mind that we're building something that is not only for our kids, it's for it's also for George Michael and Maybe's kids too, <laughs> which leads to like a kind of very nervous delivery from Michael Sarah, where he's like, <laughs>
1: you can't have kids for some reason. It's not even an option,
0: really. <laughs> well, eventually you want to.
1: Sure, I might want to. You know, now I, I, it doesn't matter. It's either way, I won't
0: do anything about it. Come on. Um, so I just kind of, I just kind of like how he goes on this weird kind of ramble, and nobody pays any attention to kind of what he's hinting at. This is where we get one of the the other kind of reveals in this episode, where Lindsay says uh, she's going to be forty in three years. Um, And of course, Michael goes, you know, being twins, our birthdays are pretty close to one another, (laughs) which I guess that kind of calls out the fact that, um, you know, the the idea to make them twins was only really added in post-production after the pilot was shot. Um, You know, they weren't meant to be twins. Uh, They were just going to be brother and sister. But, you know, they Mitch Hurwitz kind of changed some dialogue on the pilot and turned it into they were twins. Um, but there's nothing in the pilot, if you, if you take away the narration, there's nothing in the pilot where anyone says they're twins. Um, it's only the narrator that tells you that. Um, and then obviously that becomes an important part of the, uh, the opening titles, uh, where it says, and his twin sister. Um, although, in season four, it doesn't say twin sister <laughs> um the like the opening dialogue is kind of like the opening narration is kind of the same for season four but obviously they change it with each episode depending on the character but for the ones with michael they just say and his sister rather than twin sister so mm-hmm. um but yeah um <laughs> i like as well how <laughs> when Lindsay says you know a 40 year old woman has as much chance of getting married as she does getting attacked by a and um, buster shrieks <laughs> <laughs> when he when he when he thought she was going to say seal, but she actually says by a shark, um, and then she goes or a seal, and then of course, I which just I don't know. I just love the kind of interaction between the you know the blue siblings. The fact that you know even when Buster warns her not to say seal because you know it will freak him out, she still just says seal anyway, says <laughs> just to, just almost to kind of like mess with him, um, and and of course um. Uh, this is where michael says something which you know is a setup for a joke in a couple of scenes time where he says that lindsay you're nothing to worry about you're a beautiful woman any man would be lucky to have you um and then we get to see a flashback of a young lindsay and a young michael where he explains girls grow faster than boys um you know which explains kind of the height difference between young lindsay and uh young michael um uh, and and also
1: a setup for earlier.
0: Well, yeah, this is where we see Lucille come in, and she says dinner's ready. We're having Lindsay chops. Of course, she goes, "What? I just want to be prepared in case some bully at school is as clever as I am." And of course, the narrator then they never were, <laughs> yeah, no bully ever would be. This is where Michael points out to uh, Lindsay, rather than her being essentially, uh, you know, a single thirty-seven-year-old woman. She is, in fact, married to to Tobias. <laughs> this is where we find out from George Senior once again, kind of giving something away he doesn't intend to, where he says that he's going to go to his little place in Carbo, um, and of course he says, "Did you build yourself a little hideaway in case you need to get uh, to escape?" And of course George goes, "No, no, of course not." <laughs> we find out here that um, you know uh, Lucille essentially is the mastermind. As he says, your mom's not going to allow for that. We we find out that the banana stand was in fact an idea of from a Korean immigrant who was deported the day after. <laughs> um, Lucille stole the idea for a frozen banana. Although I don't know that the idea of just freezing a banana is really like that difficult to come up with. But and was it a concept that
1: I'm pretty sure it existed before that?
0: I'm 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 almost certain it was, but. Uh, I don't know. It's it's really weird. Um, and of course, George Sr., you know, he he talks about how, you know, controlling Lucille is and how she's the mastermind and all this kind of stuff. And I like how, as he's saying all this, Lucille's in the background and, and she just goes, he'll be fine. And George immediately goes, you'll be fine. Just kind of like repeating <laughs> her. And so obviously, you know, this is where Michael going to cancel the reservation on the boat, you know, simply because Buster is afraid of the sea. Uh, He runs into Job uh, on a party boat of his own. Um, And I like how Job tries to flee, but he's forgotten to untie the boat from the mooring. So, of course, it basically just strains at the rope. (laughs) Michael is like, I want to untie these ropes first. Now, I don't know if this is meant to be like a subtle joke, like a magician joke, like how, you know, magicians, you know, can escape from certain knots. And obviously Job is you know, struggling here just to kind of get away from Michael in a boat. Um, And I like as well how once Michael gives him the instruction that he needs to untie the boat, he goes, Don't tell me how to
1: flee, Michael! (laughs) Which
0: I kind kind of like. Um, And (laughs) I like as well how Job is struggling to survive on the paltry $1,500 a week. Uh, to which Michael of course says I give you $500 a week And he goes, well Someone's drawing a little one on those checks <laughs> um, Which I kind of like You know, Sitwell has made an offer to Job um, And he's talking about selling um, And of course, yes, the boat is indeed The C word, um, Which was the boat he was planning to buy When he was uh, head of the company um, But the funny thing is, is Here um, He <laughs> He talks about how, um, you know, (laughs) Michael says, you're going to burn through the money and you're going to have nothing. He goes, you know, give a man a fish. He'll leave for a night. Teach a man to fish. (laughs) And Job goes, he'll want to use your yacht. And I don't want this thing smelling of fish. Uh, (laughs) Which in itself, of course, is a a kind of roundabout joke uh, to do with the title of the boat. And, of course, the C word in this particular. Uh, uh. (laughs) That never occurred to you, Andrew? No. Okay, well that's what that was all about. And in this particular case, obviously the C word can also refer to cancellation because the show had been cancelled at this particular point. Um, so, they'd known right, okay. they'd known for episodes before this, so I'm guessing bringing back the C word was so that they could make that very unsavoury joke that Andrew has just gotten, but also... So they could kind of hint at the, the cancellation as well Save our booths Joe refers to uh, Michael as a robot, of course Something that he's done on a number of occasions throughout the show uh, Lucille is kind of on Michael's back throughout the rest of this episode Trying to make it clear to people that they can't sell the shares He b- basically says that, you know, he, he won't give up the yacht And so Lucille, of course, showing how they got into trouble in the first place Says, just let him lease it through the company <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, and this is where Lucille, of course, says, uh, "How would it feel to lose the company to a man who has less hair on his head than I have on my?" And I don't think she says head, uh, and and uh, uh, than I have on my. And she says something else. And of course, I like how Michael goes. Can't be worse than hearing that just was. You know, when, while we're at the job, Co- the job company at the Blues Company, it's worth pointing out that. Um, They have a banner up, of course, because everyone loves banners. It says Risky Business, except half of it has been knocked down. uh, Because while they were putting this banner up, uh, Ted, uh, returning here for one last time, had decided to recreate the scene from Risky Business where Tom Cruise slides along in his underwear, um, and he basically knocked the ladder over where the person was putting it It's
1: really great because they don't explain to you what the joke is. It's just visual storytelling.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, and the thing is as well is the fact that they don't even have the full words risky business up. It just says risky yeah. bizu. Because the rest of the poster has fallen down, so it's a really clever because you have to obviously know.
1: You have to understand what risky business is. You have to understand what the slide is. <laughs>
0: yeah, and of course Ted, he couldn't see through the uh, the sunglasses, which I don't understand because even indoors, I think you'd still be able to see through sunglasses. But you know, I don't
1: also don't know much of the slide. He could have gotten on uh, the carpet. <laughs> no, yeah, I, it... you wouldn't get a lot of fr- you get a lot of friction from that. Yes,
0: it. I mean it. All over it's just a bad idea to do but um, you know you've ended up with a person on the floor knocked off the ladder Um, and you know obviously Lucille here is basically making Michael sell out. Giving Job the boat is the very first step. (laughs) George Michael wants to talk to his father uh, so he's, he's you know finally managed to get him alone in the office. Uh, And I think this is one of the scenes that was actually one of the final scenes shot. Uh, There's a scene with just Michael and Lucille later on, and I think that was the very last scene they shot. Um, And (laughs) I like how the narrator talks about, you know, how um, this is as good an opening as George Michael was going to get, where, um, (laughs) you know, George Michael's talking about skipping the party and, you know, Michael's talking about, you know, they need to show the stockholders how close the family is and of course George Michael then says maybe and I made out and finally after after him saying this to Michael a few times Michael finally hears it and i i like when he goes you mean you kissed and of course he says uh, a little more than that and we get a shot of uh, Pete Rose one more time <laughs> yes diving into second base and i like i like as well how you know we get the 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 uh, is this where we get the there's a baby in my soup and Nancy yeah, yeah and <laughs> <laughs> Baby and then you
1: get the sound effect for the same thing too with the Pete Rosley. Like, <sighs>
0: yeah. Um, and I like how, you know, he talks about these really rough pictures and because they were really rough just <laughs> which, um And, uh, you know, I like how when Michael says she's a blood relative, George Michael goes, I know.
1: i have seen the blood.
0: <laughs> and of course, Michael says, how long has this been going on? And of course, George Michael makes a rough estimate and says, I don't know. 53 weeks. Uh, which, of course, Uh, A shout out to the the episode number. Obviously, at the beginning of the show, Michael had talked about how, you know, three years ago, he made a choice to stay with the family. Um, So, I don't know. Has it been 156 weeks or has it been 53 weeks? Um, I don't know. Maybe George Michael could be... Get your
1: continuity
0: together, show Jesus. How embarrassing. (laughs) George Michael could be referring to the fact that his feelings were reawakened at the end of season two. I don't know. And maybe that was a year ago, but uh i doubt it it's, it's just a funny
1: joke how embarrassing i know i hope someone got fired for that blunder <laughs> well they did they all got fired um that's what happened they saw that like get out of here and
0: fox forced mitch herwitz to do i don't know what was it sit up stand down stand stand up sit down sit downs i don't know that animated show that ran for like six weeks
1: uh sit down shut up yeah It's like this is your punishment <laughs> mitch herwitz is like oh no <laughs> yeah it wasn't worth it it wasn't worth it uh
0: what a piece of shit that was and then we find out here that you know michael makes one more compromise for the for the sake of the business uh, and here there was actually a um a cutscene, uh, you know which is just a, a slightly longer version of this particular scene where um you know michael asks whatever happened to that Anne we were both so crazy about <laughs> Um and in the cutscene, George Michael actually says directly to Michael, "You didn't like her," and he goes, "No, I didn't like her. I loved her," <laughs> which is like <laughs> that's one of my favorite types of jokes. And they've done it. They did it with um Steve Holt when he talked about magic, and he said to Job that he didn't like magic, he loved magic. Um, <laughs> so it's one of my favorite jokes. But I, I like how they they do that. And of course, Portia de Rossi, possibly one of her best scenes, as she delivers this. This really like kind of over the top, like funny dialogue here where um, Stan Sitwell talks about, you know, the 5% and he says, Lucille actually gave you less than her natural children. And I like how she goes. I hope that's not a crack about my hair, color, lips, forehead, nose and teeth. (laughs) Like Just such a, a long line of everything that she's changed. And of course, this is this is where we pay off the joke from earlier, where. You know, she says, at least I'm not wearing a rayon sweater on my face. And, of course, Stan Sitwell says, it's alpaca, actually. Although, I must say, his wig is fantastic. I mean, uh, Ed Begley Jr.'s wig is just uh, so good. Um, And, of course, uh, Stan Sitwell is... I mean, it's such a good character because he's so kind of, like, moral compared to everyone in the entire of the Bluth family. (laughs) Um, But, at the same time, he's still not completely above... You know, doing some kind of backhanded deals. You know, like there's there's a certain level that he he looks better than the Blues by comparison. But Stan Sitwell is still a businessman who's willing to kind of...
1: He's also like a smart businessman. That's also the thing. He's not like the Blues. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, this is where Lindsay finds out that she is adopted. Um, and, you know, she says, this is the happiest day since I got my new nose. Something which, of course, has been hinted at a number of times in the show. Um, and even, you know directly Uh, like when um, George Michael found out about the nose a couple of scenes later he was staring at Portia De Rossi's face and she kind of (laughs) like covered her nose there's like a little bit of business that they did around that which was like really great and then of course we find out she was almost a (laughs) sitwell and I like here how he says 37 years ago the blues adopted you out from under us which of course is exactly how the Blues conduct all their business, <laughs> um, and of course I like how he goes. We had to say goodbye to you, our darling little three-year-old. Now I don't know if the Sitwells, like what was going on with the Sitwells, that they felt the need to adopt a three-year-old girl. and you know, like
1: me sister for their daughter.
0: But st- still, it's a bit of an odd situation to, um, you know, to adopt a, a three-year-old. But I do like as well how Stan says uh, we should do something for your fortieth next week, <laughs> which is. Is such a great way to kind of drop that. But also, I like as well how, as she's been dragged out by all the um, the security guards, <laughs> Stan Sitwell follows saying, be gentle, she's almost 40. <laughs> and once again, we get here the return of one of the characters who, um, he's only in this one scene, and he only gives this one, um, like, speech, um, where he, t- he talks about, uh, because obviously maybe his age had been revealed in, uh, in the previous episode when... Um, when George Michael had invited everybody to her Sweet 16 <laughs> in an attempt to, you know, just he just invited everybody in her phone book. Uh, of course, Ron Howard makes a joke about how, you know, some people just weren't available that night, um, obviously suggesting that he got an invite to maybe's uh, Sweet 16. And, you know, Mort Myers here, uh, played by Jeff Garland, um, who I think when he's restrained, Jeff Garland can be, you know, when he's used by the right people, he can be very effective. Um, and i think mort Myers is an effective use of jeff garland as an actor but he delivers he <laughs> delivers the line where he says this is the biggest thing to happen at uniprod uh, since uniprod hired that wee brain to run the drama development and we get a quick a shot of variety and we find out that uh, rita leeds is now in charge of development um, <laughs> which is like i don't know <laughs> i think to me this feels like a shot maybe of fox You know, the fact that they're kind of talking about somebody, you know, running a TV development department. So, you know, this also then puts into into action. We we have two storylines going where, um, you know, Michael is trying to keep everybody, you know, from selling their shares. um, And maybe now has the goal of getting everybody's life rights signed away. (laughs) Um, And obviously, due to the fact that uh, the Blues are, you know, exceptionally lazy... Those two tasks will end up being combined into one thing uh, quite deftly. Um, and, you know, Michael wakes up and finds that uh, Lindsay is in bed with him. Uh, apparently, she's quite drunk. Um, and <laughs> this is where he says, Are you aware that your sort and my son have been getting physical? I mean... Can you imagine anything that inappropriate? And of course, Lindsay then climbs on top of Michael and starts to try and make it out with him. In the commentary, Portia de Rossi said it was a little uncomfortable for them to do this. Because obviously, you know, they've been playing brother and sister for the last kind of like three years. So.
1: And now all of a sudden.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it's funny as well because, you know, they had Jason Bateman's own sister in an episode, which finished with him <laughs> saying, marry me to her. And then saying that felt a little weird. So, you know, um, Arrested Development, of course, not not always one to kind of, like, push the uh, the whole incest angle. Years before Game of Thrones made it sexy and interesting. Arrested I,
1: Development just settled for sexy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's funny as well when, you know, uh, Lindsay reveals, you know, that she's adopted, but also that she's three years older, um, you know, and, of course, Michael says, you know, there, there must be some mistake, yeah um, and we find out, you know, that earlier Michael's encouragement to Lindsay has now been taken as some kind of uh, sexual come on. Um, and of, of course, um, you know, Lindsay talks about getting divorced and remarried, um, you know, and if she if, if, if you know, if she's not allowed to sell the shares. Um, and of course, you know, Michael, he's not willing to sell out and basically marry his own sister <laughs> to get to get her to keep the shares. Um, but I like as well, <laughs> Michael goes, I'm just not that into older women it's such an amazing line <laughs> yeah.
1: and then she immediately just grabs like his hair <laughs> and shoves him on the floor it's like so
0: violent yeah um but i like as well how we get a cut here and you know michael wakes up the next morning to uh, what the narrator says is a worse surprise and <laughs> you see tobias is now in bed with him um <laughs> which of course you know in in previous times uh you know obviously you know george michael was uh in in bed with uh, in bed with Michael earlier. And um, and Buster has also been in this situation where he's been sharing a bed with Michael. Um, so I think this now makes all of, you know, like, apart from, uh, I don't think uh, Job has ever shared Lucio. a bed with Michael.
1: I don't think Lucille.
0: But, you know, it just seems like a lot of people seem to want to sleep in a bed with Michael. Uh, and of course, it's worth pointing out that there is a wonderful visual joke where you have a picture of um, George Michael at bedside, which I think has been there kind of since the, the early days of the pilot where he has his hand under his chin and he's kind of like posing at a slight angle. And as this scene goes on Tobias manoeuvres himself so that he's in the exact same position as that photo. So you have this picture of Tobias with his his hand under his chin next to a picture of uh, George Michael with his hand under his chin. And it's just like a wonderful visual gag that they kind of um, managed to get. And on the, on the commentary they do point out that... Um, David Cross found it very difficult to put his hand under his chin, but not have it touching his chin because that's the pose that George <laughs> Michael is making is the, the fist doesn't touch his chin at all. And so Tobias had to basically prop himself up, but not touch his chin. And he found it very difficult to do, uh, you know, bearing in mind I that I
1: do it now, it's very hard.
0: Yeah. They, they And of course they're doing it over a number of takes over a prolonged period of time. So he basically had to keep trying to put that pose, but not have his fist touch. But, uh, I like I like how as Tobias talks about you know he's going to have to sell the shares because Lindsay wants to divorce him. Michael says you can't do that, and of course Tobias says they're my shares. And Michael goes, no, I mean you can't spoon me like that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> which of course makes Tobias kind of move away. Um, and I like of course how Michael compromises once again by giving Tobias um, <laughs> a salary and calling him an events coordinator. Uh, which, you know, I thought was uh, quite funny. Um, and we then find out, of course, you know, uh, <laughs> Tobias is only willing about willing to do that if they can uh, lie down for a second and think about it. And then we see that they spoon for 20 minutes. And then, of course, Tobias agrees. <laughs> Michael immediately jumps <laughs> out of the bed and leaves Tobias. Um, and George Michael, of course, is trying to track down Anne and he goes to uncle paul played here once again by jj uh, wall talks about how they only have three more weeks on earth and that fossils are just something the jews buried in 1924
1: <laughs> um, and then uh, some kid runs out <laughs> yeah, yeah that, <laughs> that's such a weird joke you like wait <laughs> with the situation here
0: although of course you know jj wall as uncle paul we when we first met him it was at the uh, when they were having the morning mass that was on jerusalem time um, and he was kind of like trying to sh- share a, a hymnal with uh, George Michael. So uh, he does strike me as being a slightly odd character. I like how, <laughs> how of course, uh, Uncle Paul is Anne's uncle. And so, of course, <laughs> George Michael decides to seek out his own creepy uncle, uh, which is the, <laughs> the line the narrator gives us. This is where Michael goes to Lucille and finds out the truth about uh, Lindsay. Uh, which is which is why which is where we we find out finally that N Bluth although that is Michael Bluth because of course his name was misspelt on his birth certificate and he is Michael Bluth in reality. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> um, we find out that of course they wanted to you know that she was actually born Nelly, and of course <laughs> I like how, as well how this is resolved. So kind of like this this kind of mystery that was built up. For like five or six episodes, it's resolved so quickly with Michael just going, of course, Lindsay is the Nelly from the photo. <laughs> um, usually when it comes to adoption, you know, most children that are adopted, either they know from a young age. Um, you know, there's a fantastic joke in uh, Easy A where um, the, <laughs> the brother, uh, the younger brother of Emma Stone in that film tells, tells his parents, he says, am I adopted? Or he says he's adopted. And um, you know he well, now he tells him that he's adopted, and of course, Stanley Tucci's like, no, really. Uh, of course, the kid is is black, and everyone else is white, so obviously, it's obvious that he's adopted. But the joke is, is done so well. But generally, when it comes to adoption, you know, most people kind of know at a certain, you know, their, te- their parents generally tell them at a certain age. Uh, but obviously, <laughs> Lucille didn't want to would want to tell anyone because they were adopting the child of a competitor. <laughs> And she didn't think it would look good. Um, and of course, you know, Michael's like, yeah, people would have twisted that story to make you look bad. Um, which I kind of I kind of like. And I like as well how we get one kind of big callback to the pilot, uh, which of course was Lucille saying that she didn't care for Job. Um, and she goes, we loved her just as much as any of you normal kids. More than Job. <laughs> Uh, so once again, Lucille demonstrating that she doesn't really care for Job. This is where Lucille comes up with a, a plan. We, we see finally in this episode how she is the mastermind, where she says she's going to pay everyone else, pay everyone off, call it an accrued cash dividend, and they won't get their money until they sign a document promising they won't te- sell for 10 years. And of course, Michael goes, so it's embezzlement, bribery, and conspiracy. And of course, Lucille once again says, and a, a lot, of love. lot of love. Yeah. <laughs> so which of course, Michael then goes, and perjury. <laughs> And, so, and this is where of course Tobias, everyone else in the Bluth company, you know, they do have jobs they do take paychecks but they never do any work Tobias of course not being a Bluth uh, he's been given a paycheck and he's been given a job so of course he's doing the work and he turns up to say that he has booked the perfect location and some wonderful performance for the party uh, and when he says we're having it at the uh, Queen Mary uh, of course Buster gasps because the, uh, the Queen Mary is a ship Although Tobias says it's a a popular chain of nightclubs. Uh, Once again, his sexuality uh, being called into question there. I like how he talks about how he hasn't been to this particular location. It's on the Long Beach Harbour. And of course, Buster tells him that's the ship. (laughs) So Tobias has booked the ship, which Michael had cancelled them having the party at. So already Tobias is completely undermining Michael. And we find out, of course, that it is welded to the dock. Um, And this is possibly one of the greatest jokes um, that the show does, um, where Tobias talks about calling the hot cops, and he says,
1: Although, perhaps I should call the hot cops and tell them to come up with something more nautically themed. Hot sailors. Better yet, hot sea.
0: And, of course, Michael cuts him off and goes, Like hot sailors. <laughs> and uh, Tobias goes, mm, Me too. Of course, the narrator, despite the fact that... that uh, you know, Tobias was cut off from making the joke. The narrator says, "Michael was just a George Michael was just about to come across a hot seaman of his own," <laughs> uh, which is kind of like a weird way to discuss Job. Uh, but there you go. And of course, you know, we find out that Job is living on the the sea word with his girlfriend. Um, you know, the information has been passed on from uh, from Michael to George Michael, um, and this is where we we get like the final her gag. Uh, where George Michael refers to Anne as who? Um, where, when, of course, Job asks, how did you know about her? Uh, which, you know, should be the first hint as to who he's talking about. And, of course, George Michael just goes, who? When Job says Anne, we get one last time George Michael going, her? Um, which is kind of, it's, it's really weird because there's been a few times where they've kind of done variations on the, the her joke. Um, but I like that they kind of save up the reappearance of the, of Anne here uh, for the kind of final time that they get to do it um, and we find out that the the secret that, that job has been keeping and that has been hinted at in a number of episodes uh, you know about the, the the third place in the inner a beauty pageant which of course in the episode at the time job said third place will go for magicians <laughs> so uh, that, that's that's what has happened you know. Um, we've, we see all the scenes that were done kind of from the perspective of Job, where he's talking about, you know, the Holy Trinity and all this kind of stuff. But we now see that Anne was the one who was in all these scenes. He he, he talks about how, you know, the girl obviously needs a man. Um, and then George Michael just kind of, does he punch Job? I think it is. He punches Job. He just that.
1: punches him straight in the face. <laughs> and-
0: and uh, May Whitman does this great kind of like sustained scream as, as he, after, after Joe Fall, um, which, you know, it's great to see uh, May Whitman, even if it's just for this one brief scene here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find out that Anne is actually 18 now, um, which is weird because uh, George Michael, um, you know, as it was said earlier in this episode, I think, is um, only 15 turning 16 and obviously maybe is also 16. So I didn't realize that George Michael was dating.
1: Oh, that's a nice little tie-in with this uh, plot.
0: Yeah. So it's it's kind of and obviously Anne is also dating an older man. So there's something going on with uh, people's Layers. Players. Yeah. Uh, that's what Arrested Development is known for.
1: It's a lot of layers, like an ogre. <laughs> yes,
0: um, and you know, Buster has a uh, you know has a a life jacket on while he's on the boat because obviously he's terrified of of this boat. I don't know sinking or something, and he ended up in the ocean with the seal. Of course, that's not anything that could ever happen. Uh, I don't know why Buster's been so scared, um, but I, I like as well how um, you know uh, Michael. Uh, accepts his congratulations, um, f- and I I like here how we get some hints towards what, yet one more reveal before the end of this episode where the narrator tells us that Buster was approached by his loving father, which is it's not like this is a mystery for very long because they only they do this reveal in a couple of minutes time, but I like how the narrator basically tells you straight away it's Oscar and not George, and, and but of course um, you know <laughs> Buster says. Do you think there's any chance that the ship could break away from the dock? And we get another hint that this is Oscar where he goes, we're on a ship. <laughs> uh, and of course, maybe is going around the ship, trying to get everyone to sign around their life rights, whilst Lucille is getting everyone to try and sign for this deal that she's come up with. I like as well how Lindsay, you know, you know talks about how she's going to marry Michael. And of course, Lucille goes, I always saw him with a younger girl. <laughs> so Lucille, once again, finding a way to kind of, twist the knife uh, with Lindsay. And of course, Job finds out, uh, you know, overhearing this conversation between Lucille and Lindsay that, you know, they're not related. And uh, he goes into knee-jerk revenge mode. And I I love this where he says, Why go for the best when you can go for the rest? (laughs) Which which I just love because that's like him putting himself into second place straight away. Uh, and then, of course, when he finishes with and realizes what he said, he goes of your life with a younger man. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Lindsay slaps Job and, and leaves quite quickly. And the reason that Lindsay <laughs> the reason that Lindsay leaves quite quickly apparently is because Portia de Rossi could not stop laughing at uh, at Will Arnett's delivery of the uh, the the why go for the best when you can go for the rest of the line so apparently she slapped him on the face and immediately exits the, you know like out of the picture because she was laughing so hard uh, at his, his delivery of that and I, of course I love as well how job goes Kitty likes to scratch which is like <laughs> such a weird kind of line
1: um, it's so weird how he immediately starts to watch his <laughs> sister
0: <laughs> well, yeah but the thing is he only wants to do it as revenge against Michael which is something that he's done so many times in this his show. Uh, you know, all the way back to season one, um, you know, it seems like he's still bitter over the whole martyr thing. I like here how we get Michael giving his speech, of course. This is what we saw, you know, before the titles. There's a few really funny visual gags here. The funniest of which is um, Lindsay and Tobias who are looking at each other. And in between them is the entire of the hot cops dressed as sailors. <laughs> and it's like such a great kind of visual because they close up on you know, Lindsay, and then they close up on Tobias and then they pull back and you see that these five men are standing <laughs> between them, uh, you know, which I guess you could say that is the problem with their marriage, uh, is is the men getting between them um, from both directions. Um mm-hmm. And of course, Michael talks about how, you know, his father's always been there for me and Oscar yells out, he's a great man, which of course... If you think it's George, that's like such a weird kind of line, but you'd expect George to praise himself because that's what he's kind of known for. Um, And then he talks about how Job, you know, would never do anything to hurt anyone in his family. Um, And I like how the narrator sums it up by saying, except for dating his nephew's girlfriend and hitting on his adopted sister. (laughs) Um, And of course, Buster is in a life raft Uh, When Michael talks about him facing his biggest fear and he yells second biggest. Um, And then he talks about Lindsay and Tobias and, you know, how, you know, they've, they've, they deep down, they love each other very, very much, you know, and he says his mother who's believed in him. Um, And then, of course, the narrator says. And that's when Michael finally cried. Uh,
1: Today looks like I succeeded.
0: It wasn't exactly a turn on. And I, I like how, like, for the last couple of seasons you know the rest of the family being kind of needling Michael because he never has any emotions and of course as soon as he shows it Buster's like baby <laughs> <laughs> and, like, uh, and, and you know everyone's kind of like you know I, I like as well how job when he meets when he meets Michael he goes it looks like George Michael got his mom back today huh uh, which is like <laughs> such a kind of cruel line. Uh, and, and then obviously uh, I like as well how Job tries to play off the whole like getting punched by George Michael as like you know him just lashing out, and he goes you know probably just lashing out because of whom I, who I'm dating. And he's like, who are you dating? He's like, yeah. Anne. <laughs> um, and of course, we get one final from Michael her, huh? and you know I like as well how he he admits here that he gave the yacht away to George Michael because George Michael had, like knocked him out. <laughs> Um, you know, and I like the kind of the, the play that he does, where he's like, "Oh no, take the yacht!" <laughs> and all this. Kind of, like, I <laughs> just, Will Arnett's kind of delivery of him, like giving up the the yacht, is really funny. This is this is where uh, we <laughs> Michael tries to get off the yacht, and as he does, you know, he runs into Stan Sitwell, who says, "I've never seen a CEO cry like that before, except that the a sentence." Except at uh, a
1: sensing, yeah.
0: <laughs> Which is such a good kind of line, uh, and you know. Stan Sitwell, <laughs> he offers to buy the company, and I like this negotiation between Lucille and Stan. He he offers ten percent of market value to take the company off her hands now, and she gives she goes fifteen, and I'll throw in Nellie, and of course he goes she's forty, and he goes twelve. <laughs> uh, so I I like how you know the fact that she's forty knocks three percent off the negotiation, um, and. once again we get a call back to the pilot one last time as the sec arrive and of course buster says they still have boats um and you know they're gonna be they're gonna be boarded because of course oscar has uh oscar is the one who's on the ship we find that out just as lucille says you gave me up george and as lucille reveals to us that it's actually oscar rather than george uh, you know, Oscar gets to go out on the line. There's no such thing as free shrimp. Of Most course. Of
1: string is free shrimp, Oscar?
0: <laughs> we find out that it wasn't actually George who sold them out. It was, in fact, Anyong, which leads to one final round of Anyong, hello, Anyong, <laughs> And Where he reveals his name is actually Hello. Um, to which, of course, he then goes Anyong <laughs> after Buster <laughs> says hello. Uh, which I think is just such a like you have to imagine how how long that joke would take to set up because they have to find a name in Korean you know that means something that can also mean something else in English that then translates to the word hello and I don't know it's just the, the levels on that of, of coming up with a name that basically means one day in Korean um, and of course we find out that uh, An Yong's grandfather was the one who had the idea for frozen bananas and <laughs> um, and I like when Lucille decides to make her escape. She turns to the hot cops and goes, do you boys know how to shovel coal? To which the narrator says, I don't even want to tell you what these guys thought that meant. <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. And of course, Michael decides with George Michael, um, you know, th- th- he's, he's going to follow George Michael's plan of, of running off. Who um, he, he says he can't stay here because Anne's moved on. Maybe he's his cousin. And, you know, that's not an option. And I like here how... After all these kind of episodes, we finally get the reveal given to George Michael that, you know, he, she's not your cousin. Uh, Aunt Lindsay was adopted. <laughs> and of course, George Michael's a little bit angry because this means that, you know, Maybe is now an option that's back on the table. And of course, you know, he, Michael points out you can't be with Maybe because you're 15. And the relationship's going to fall apart. And she might not be a blood relative, but she still is family. I like as well how he says she don't want to rock that boat. And then, of course, the boat gets rocked. As the Queen Mary (laughs) bumps into them. And I like how how we see Bix, uh, one of the hot cops, and they're shoveling coal. And as Lucille instructs them full steam ahead, he goes, this is degrading. I thought we were going to strip, um, (laughs) showing that once again, the hot cops, natural instinct to strip cannot be suppressed. Um, you know, because it doesn't matter what the situation is. That's, that's where their minds go. And of course, Buster (laughs) ends up, uh, in the ocean screaming that he can't swim. Um, and then he gets confronted by his, his first biggest fear as, as the seal confronts them. Um, and the funny thing the is... The same seal. The same seal, yeah, because um, as Mitch Hurwitz points out in the commentary, basically it's just been swimming in circles because it's missing a flipper. <laughs> so it's been stuck there in the dock swimming in circles for since it, it bit off Buster's hand basically and then lost its own flipper. Um, and of course Buster um, <laughs> wants another person stealing Job's catchphrase where he's like, oh, come on! And the narrator tells us that two grand ladies made their escape as uh, Lucille Proof is instructed to Pull over and step away from the historic ship. And this is where George Michael suggests that, you know, they go back, you know, family sticks together. And then, of course, Michael's like, uh, on the other hand, <laughs> we do have a tank full of gas, a house in carbo, and 500 grand in cashier's checks. And he's like, uh, what say we give them no choice but to keep themselves all together for a while? Of course, Ron Howard tells us. It was arrested developed. Do, 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 do. Which is great because, of course, the whole keep-themselves-together line calls calls back to the, the opening credits um, of the show. We then find out that on the epilogue, Michael wakes up to another strange bedfellow. And, of course, he wakes up with George Sr. <laughs> next to him, who asks, how was the party? Uh, which, I just, I just love that all these people seem to think it's okay to get in bed with Michael Bluth. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, and then of course the narrator tells us that maybe pitches her TV show to a Hollywood icon who says no I uh I don't see it as a series maybe a movie and that is how the show finishes with Ron Howard making one I was going to say final cameo but I think that's the first time that we kind of see him and obviously he's never credited as a narrator and I don't think he even takes a credit for his appearance here Um, so it's kind of interesting that like you know Ron Howard is the it's in fact even thinking about it now? Like, could you imagine any other film director being like, "Yeah, I'll narrate this sitcom"? <laughs> like, it just and and take no credit for it. Like, it just seems so weird when you think about it. Like, that the, Ron Howard did this for like three years, and like kind of was never part of. I mean, he, on the DVDs, he appears here and there, but he was never like a really big part of like the publicity. You would think having like a kid from like one of the most popular sitcoms of the last like forty years would be an asset and director
1: of apollo 13
0: well yes and uh ed tv don't forget that
1: and how the grinch stole
0: christmas their well, own favorite holiday christmas yeah well for a number of years that actually held the record for a december opening um and it was the it's highest insane. grossing it was the highest grossing film for a december until lord of the rings came along and, and broke those records
1: that is not a good movie
0: no <laughs> no um and you know splash everyone's favorite uh a comedy about a mermaid who wants to have sex with a, a man. Uh, I can't wants, remember the who plot. Who doesn't want to have
1: sex with Tom Hanks though?
0: Well, nobody. That's who doesn't want to. <laughs> yeah,
1: because Tom Hanks is a wonderful man.
0: Um, so Andrew, you who's your best Hanks? What's the Hanks you want to? F- <laughs> um, the Hanks from the Man with One Red Shoe. I would go Captain Phillips. He just needs some loving. <laughs> I'd say I'd say One Red Shoe or uh, Money Pit. One of those Hanks.
1: That's a manic Hank. Yeah.
0: Cause it, well, yeah. Because he, he, he falls through the, the hole in the floor, doesn't he? And his legs are just dangling down. Yeah. <laughs> Easy access. Yeah. Maybe. Um. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on this final episode of Arrested Development on Fox? It's a great series finale.
1: Very quick. Very funny. Very charming. What else is there to say? A+. plus.
0: <laughs> And yeah, it kind of wraps up a lot of, you know, it wraps up the incest plot, which I don't think is a a phrase that you really get to say about many sitcoms these days. (laughs) Uh, You know, it kind of wraps up the whole Nelly stuff, which was started and stopped in the space of like five episodes. You know, it it calls back to the pilot in so many ways, but it also shows, I mean, every single finale finishes with George Senior running away. Uh, He breaks out of prison in the first season he runs off with kitty to vegas in the second season and here he's running off to carbo with his son
1: it's a very satisfying finale too it really does wrap up a lot of loose ends
0: yeah yeah and i mean people's thoughts on you know series four vary um but like it it does kind of just wrap up it's particularly the fact that it kind of hints at the the fact that they might make a movie or something um you know like uh, something which of course has become the, the the clarion cry of fans of community of six seasons in a movie you know the which no you you can you don't have to do that just stop. <laughs> yeah just stop. well on the on the funny enough on the commentary when they when Ron Howard talks about maybe making a movie there are a number of the, the cast who say you know what about this movie Mitch and Mitch is like I don't know he's like maybe we will maybe we won't and then of course Will Arnett's like, well, what you need to do is you need to have a movie, and then you need to spin off a TV series from that movie, and, and then make a movie from that series. And they basically come up, you know, in the space of a few seconds, they all start coming up with these wild ideas of exactly what would be the continuation of Arrested Development. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's funny because you know, like there are a few guest stars in this. Obviously, we get cameo from you know Jim Kramer, we get the cameo from Ron Howard. You know, both of those characters, oddly enough, have. I mean, Jim Kramer makes a number of appearances in the show uh, more than you would really think. You're kind of charting the success or failure of the the kind of the, the whole, you know, the, the company. Um, and I, I think it's kind of interesting that, that they don't really, like, Mort Myers is in one scene. You know, Ed Begley pops up a couple of times. But they don't take away from the fact that the show finishes kind of wrapping everything up about the family, Buster facing his fear for the f- for the second time of being confronted by a seal. You know, like it, it's just kind of funny that they 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 have all these guests, but they still manage to focus on the, the most important thing, which is Michael dis breakfast. Well, yes, and also family, uh, which is Michael deciding to you know accept be, being the ceo but then seeing what that would actually lead to you know like all the the deals he has to keep making to stop everyone else from selling all their shares out from underneath him so you know it's it's funny that the show kind of gives michael what he wanted which was to be properly in charge something that he's wanted since the pilot you know and once he gets it he realizes he doesn't really want to be the person in charge of this company you know he just wants to spend time with his his son and and so it, it, it's kind of fitting that they end up, you know, leaving the rest of the family behind, finally, you know, because it, because the pilot opens with the narrator telling us Michael had decided to never see these people ever again. And, you know, it took 52 more episodes before he actually got to the point where he could kind of fulfill that. Uh, is there anything else you wish to discuss about this last episode of Arrested Development on Fox? No. So thank you, Andrew, for joining me today. Uh, thank you for having me, Darren. And otherwise, goodbye. And that was that what was this podcast called <laughs> i've made a huge mistake
1: and that was i have made a huge mistake